today's episode, I find myself back in Moralton, Arkansas to discuss elders and elderships and the role of elders and, and what shepherding actually is in the ancient world, what the first century would have understood the term shepherding to mean. And it's going to set up a really important episode next week I'm having with Michael Wells about preacher burnout. Uh, but I wanted to record this one first and, and, and post it first for y'all to listen to because he gets into specifically the differences between the pastor system we see in other churches and what the actual biblical design of church leadership is supposed to be. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, you're listening to All Things True. I'm your host, Cody B. Today, I'm in Moralton, Arkansas, at the Downtown Church of Christ. I'm here with George Hewlett. Um, churches of Christ are unique when you compare them to uh, most denominations and, and uh, other churches in the, in the Protestant you know, category of churches. And the fact that we have a unique, a unique leadership with a plurality of, of what we call as elders... Um, some people call them shepherds. Uh, I guess the best term would be pastors uh, compared to other churches where they have one chief pastor who who runs everything. And today I'm here with George to talk about this. We aren't going to get into, and if we want to get into it, George, we can. We aren't going to get into what are the qualifications of, of a elder or shepherd. Um, you've heard that lesson, and if you haven't, I would encourage you to go back and, and listen to the episode of, you know, the, the qualifications and roles of elders and deacons that I did with Noah Eisenhower in my first season of the podcast. Today, we're going to go deeper into scripture and talk about the roles of shepherds. So, George, take it away. Okay. I don't know about deeper into scripture, although uh, I think that's where everything starts with. Uh, I think the first thing, and the, maybe the most important thing, is that when we look at Peter, when he talks to the shepherds, and he says, to the bishops among you, I appeal, being also a bishop. And so then we can look and see at the things that he says there when he talks about elders and, and get an idea that the first role is to watch after the flock. And I think in our society today, we have maybe forgotten that the number one rule, the number one role, the number one job of these men is to watch over the flock, to protect them from wolves, which is part of their job, to teach them, which is part of their job, but to watch over the flock completely. Uh, I shared with you a few minutes ago when we were talking, Jack P. Lewis, uh, several years ago, when he wrote his book on, on the church and the way the church was set up in the Bible, he talks about uh, the idea that that each shepherd of the church, each elder, should spend time each week reading the 23rd Psalm. Because if they're going to be a shepherd, if they're going to be a pastor, they need to be looking, what does the shepherd do? In the psalm, the psalmist says, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. The psalmist says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The psalmist says, you lead me beside still waters. He's the sheep, he's being led by the shepherd, and the shepherd ought to be the one that's taking care of all of those needs. 
at the same time, uh, Brother Lewis went on to say that each shepherd should then read the 34th chapter of Ezekiel, where there's a warning there to the shepherds of Israel who are not doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, he says they're getting fat off of the proceeds of the flock. They're, they're not providing for the needs of the flock. And, and there's a stern warning there that God is going to judge them very severely. And, and having said that, you get back to, to the New Testament warnings to pastors and to preachers and to teachers and to all people like that. We're going to be responsible for whatever's going on. And shepherds are going to be responsible for their flock. They're going to answer to God is what that means. Not just, not just to the flock or for the flock, but to their Lord for what they've done. George, are these not the roles of the minister? I mean, you're saying teaching, look after, take care of. Well, we traditionally have followed the pattern of so many other groups in providing ministers for that. But the ultimate responsibility for this goes to those shepherds that are, according to Paul in Acts chapter 20, they're ordained by the Holy Spirit. And it's their responsibility. And so what they do in their wisdom, because oftentimes these men have other jobs in society or whatever, what they do in their wisdom sometimes is they will find a man who is capable to teach and allow him to do some of the teaching aspect for them and free them up to do some of the other aspects. Suppose maybe the visitation, maybe the, the praying, maybe the, the overseeing of, uh, of issues that come up in the day-to-day -day life of the church. And yes, I know ministers do many of those functions, but that's not the plan of the New Testament. The New Testament plan is for the shepherds to, to literally take care of all of the needs. And, uh, and as in the case with real sheep and real shepherds, quite often there might be another shepherd that takes care of nighttime, or they might hire an assistant shepherd to take care of some of the little lambs at one time or another, and, uh, and, and to help with their workload. That's probably the biggest thing we don't understand. As, as, a, as 21st century minds, we don't understand the term shepherd itself. I mean, when we think of someone who cares after sheep or when we think of someone who cares after livestock, we think of a rancher. What do we think of? We think of someone who has this giant pasture and he's built this pasture and he's built these fences and the sheep, the cattle, the whoever stay within these fences. Um, but that's not what the shepherding was in the first century or even in the, the ancient world, the really ancient world is 1000 BC and, and, and before. There were no fences. No, there were not. <laughs> you had to stay with the flock 24-7 and it would cause the shepherd himself to smell like the flock. Well, it's, uh, there's a great book on the topic. They Smell Like Sheep by Lynn Anderson. Uh, I don't agree with everything Lynn Anderson says. As, as someone said one time, and I'll just misquote whoever it was I heard say it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, everything that God ordained to be written in his word is truth. Most of the stuff men add as commentary might be. Yes. And, uh, and, 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 it, and, some, and there's some good stuff in there, though. But it's, it's a great book about the idea of a shepherd that's with the flock so much that he begins to smell like his own sheep. And they begin to smell a little bit like him as well. Uh, they, they have a tendency, I, I love what Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. In our society today, that means nothing. I, I grew up in a, mm -hmm. in a town where 
nobody had sheep. I saw sheep once a year at the county fair. Uh, you know, if you went to Little Rock for the state fair, you might see sheep at the state fair. But other than that, I didn't see sheep. I wasn't around them very much. But when Jesus was saying that, he was talking to people who were very familiar with the idea that, yes, in fact, the sheep do hear the voice of their shepherd, and they respond to his voice because he's the one that cares for them all the time. They know when they hear his voice, they're going to get fed. They know when he says, come, they're going to go to a place that's safe. They know when he says, come to me, they're going to get a drink of water or whatever and, and, and be protected and cared for. Uh, we don't have that in our society. We don't understand that because we don't use that. Uh, in the New Testament, the word shepherd is, uh, or pastor, uh, if you want to use the other term, it's the same Greek word uh, that's translated both ways. But that word's used like four or five times in the whole New Testament. Most of the time, the term that's used is elder. But uh, there are two or three different occasions in your New Testament where, and you've already covered that with uh, Noah, there are two or three occasions where the term shepherd and pastor and bishop or overseer are all used in the same context in within a, a verse or two of each other to refer to the exact same person. So, so we understand that. Uh, but, but the idea of shepherd had special meanings back then that we don't, we don't, we don't carry today because we don't see sheep. And, and when we do see sheep, you know, when, we call our cows up or we call our, we had sheep for a while. We call our sheep or llamas up. We honk the horn and they come to the truck. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, we had, we had cows when I was growing up and, and we would put a little bit of uh, corn in the bottom of a, a, a coffee can and you yes. shake it a little bit and here they come. And, and then if you didn't have any corn, if one of them was out in the pasture, you throw a few pebbles of gravel in there and you shake it. They don't know the difference. That's they, right. They come to shake an empty bag and they'll come running. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So we've, we've missed this. But with the first century and, and the shepherd of the ancient world, he was very close with his sheep. He was. It, it was tender. It was care. It wasn't just... It wasn't just fighting wolves, and you know, in the, in the New Testament, we think of wolves as false teachers, especially in churches of Christ. But it was feeding, it was watering, it was moving. Well, their very first responsibility was to feed the flock. That was their very first responsibility. Uh, if the flock didn't get to eat, they couldn't reproduce, so you didn't have more sheep. It couldn't. Uh, they couldn't. Their wool wouldn't grow properly, so you didn't have the wool. They would scatter because they didn't have food. So his primary function, first and foremost above everything else, was to feed, and you might add in water the flock to make sure that they had the nourishment they need. And I think that carries over when we look at the first and primary responsibility of a shepherd in the Lord's church today. First and primary responsibility, no, above all else, is to feed the flock. It's not to make sure that the that the light bulbs are changed when they go out or that the the, that there's new paint in one of the classrooms because it's starting to fade out or or that we replace the tables and, and things like that. Those are all necessary. But they're not the primary responsibility. The primary responsibility is this feeding of the flock. And that, that involves teaching. That's why uh, you said we're not going to get into the qualifications. But one of the primary qualifications to be a shepherd is to be apt to teach. And that means more than just 
able to say a few words here and there. That means willing and able to teach when somebody doesn't want to necessarily learn. Because as we know from experience, you've experienced, I've experienced it, anybody that's listening to experience, you learn a lot more by watching how somebody does something than you do by hearing the words they say. And so uh, apt to teach has a whole lot to do with the lifestyle of this pastor, this shepherd, this elder, this overseer of the church that we're looking at. By the way, the other words you use, bishop, presbyter, uh, there's, there, there, there are five different words that are used in your New Testament. They all mean the same thing, but, right. but, but all of those, it should be the example, should be the first thing. Are most elderships, most shepherds and churches of the Christ, are they doing this role of a shepherd that we see described in the Bible? I think throughout history, when we look, we see that that church leadership tends to mimic societal leadership. In the early days of the church, when the church was first getting established back in the days of Paul and Peter and John and those guys, uh, there was a Roman dictatorship. Uh, and, and so what you see over that first few hundred years, there, there was a very heavy central government issuance over the whole world. And so you see the church actually, in some cases, forming up to where you ended up with a pope. You ended up with a central head of all government for all of the church because it was following the government of mankind. Uh, later, through the next thousand years or so of history, you see monarchies all over the place. And so you see individual monarchs within the church. They may have a board that they answer to, but they were monarchs and they were absolute. And that's what you see a lot of bishops, a lot of uh, presbyters in those days, a lot of shepherds in those days wanted the title. And so they wanted to be called pastor this, or they wanted to be called bishop this because they were monarchs within their own field. In our country, which is a democracy, we see this idea of everything has to be voted on. And everybody has a fair say and everybody has a fair share and everybody has a fair say in everything that goes on. And so, so we have that playing behind our fundamental driving philosophy of our democracy, which is capitalism. And so what we have is a lot of corporate boards. And you may have a CEO on your board but we have a lot of corporate boards and that's played into the church as well. Uh, none of those, none of those forms are what the Bible describes. And, uh, and so we must be very careful to make sure that we don't fall into the pattern of the ways of the world influencing the church instead of the church influencing the ways of the world. Uh, and, and they all had at their time, they seemed right they all seemed right. It seemed right to have a central head of government. After all, the Roman peace is, is still written about today, the way people could travel freely throughout the world because of the peace that the Roman government provided. The, the Middle Ages, when you had the kings in a given area that were taking care of their own people, and they were, 
and they were more concerned with their own people than they were the people in another kingdom. That made sense. And to have that in the church, somebody taking care of our people rather than worrying about the other people, that makes sense when you look at it. Uh, when you look at the idea of a democracy, I mean, we live in a democracy. You try to tell somebody that, <laughs> that God is king or that Christ is Lord and that there's only one God and, and we're not going to vote for him. They, they get offended by that because they want to be able to vote. Uh, so, so we, but we have to get back to what does Scripture say? And it says that they're supposed to be teaching, they're supposed to be leading, they're supposed to be guiding, they're supposed to be examples to the flock. And I think that's what those qualifications are all about. You want a man who's even-tempered because he's going to be an example of even-temperament. You want a man who's faithful to his wife because it's going to be an example to everyone and all the other believers of what it means to be faithful in their own marriage. And, and so they're teaching not just by their words, but by their actions. And if you get a guy that is overbearing, or if you get a guy that's so timid he's afraid to speak up, then they can't shepherd the flock of God. They just can't. It's, it's not possible for them to do that because they're no longer able to teach because nobody listens to somebody that's overbearing and nobody listens to somebody that doesn't speak up and teach. If someone has an eldership that is, looks more like the corporate board than the biblical example of uh, eldership that we have in the New Testament, what can a minister, preacher, or, or someone do to influence change? Education is key to about everything. Let's, let's, let's go back to the scriptures and look and see what it says. Jesus was an example of a shepherd. He refers to himself as the good shepherd. And then he says that the shepherd, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. And, and then he talks about false shepherds. And the false shepherds, they run away when, when trials come along because they're just in it for glory or whatever reason. He doesn't really say why they're in it. But that there are false shepherds. And, and he refers to them as thieves. They break in and steal. They're not, they're not trying to think the best for the flock. But then he gives us an example through his life, the three years we have recorded of his life, of what it looks like to be a shepherd. When he saw someone hurting, he stopped and helped them. When he saw somebody that needed counsel, he stopped and gave them counsel. When he saw someone that needed further instruction about the kingdom of God, he gave them further instruction. When he saw people that needed help in their daily struggle with life, he gave the Sermon on the Mount about how to live your daily life in a way to please God. Uh, when he saw hungry people, he fed them. Uh, and, and on and on and on. And then he says, I'm the good shepherd. And then he set up his church to be led by shepherds. And so I guess technically the answer would be if we could get our shepherds to read about Jesus and to look at what did it look like to be a shepherd. And maybe somehow, sometimes... They just haven't been taught. 
a lot of times our shepherds in the in the churches haven't really been taught what it means to be a shepherd they've they've watched what previous elderships did we in the church of christ you know we don't use the term shepherd as much uh we use right. elder more often uh although it's the same term we just use it more regularly uh, but maybe they just had never learned they this is the way the people that did it before did it and and they did it with this style because their parents did it with that style because the ones before them did it with that style and and they they haven't ever been taught and so i think education is the key and it, and it's got to be biblical education i mean mm -hmm. worldly education doesn't help uh today oftentimes if there's an eldership that's struggling they'll go get some book to read that was written for corporate america today about how to be a good corporate board member or how to be a good CEO. And, and that's not what the Bible talks about. Shepherds are not CEOs. That's right. They're actually, if you use Jesus as the example, they're actually servant leaders, which means leading from behind because that's kind of what shepherds do. They, they lead, but they're not driving. It's, they're not cowboys. You know, cowboys get behind the herd and they drive it. Shepherds get in front of the flock and lead it. There's a, there's a big difference there. That's what Jesus says in John 10. That's yeah. an excellent point. And, and back to the point of using Christ as the example, that's exactly what Peter does when he calls Jesus the chief shepherd. You know, he's talking to the shepherds uh, at the church he's writing to, and then he's talking to the young men to be uh, subordinate, to submissive to, to the shepherds. And then he calls Jesus Christ the chief shepherd as, as their example. No, he, he is the ultimate shepherd. He is. He is. And, and he set that up. He set that up for us. And it goes back even before Jesus in the Old Testament. When you read the Psalms, they refer to the Lord as being their shepherd constantly. I mean, it's a constant thing. Uh, when you read through Isaiah, it refers to the shepherd of the people of Israel. When you read through the patriarchs, they look to the shepherd of their souls. They're talking about God being their shepherd. They're talking about the leadership there and the need for it. And God's the early example. God in the flesh. Christ is an earthly example of what it ought to look like. And then he left that for us. And it's a benefit of being a Christian that we have someone to shepherd us. We don't have to go through life all alone. And, and we've talked about the community of believers and the importance of church and and the relationships that we have but even even along with that comes the idea that we've got someone that's going to help to teach us someone that's going to help to give us an example someone that's going to help to lead us so that again when we pass by this the 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 valley of the shadow of death we don't have to be afraid because we're not alone it's not just that God is with us, it's that we have godly men that he has ordained to help us during those really difficult times of life. We ought to be able to go to our shepherds with any issue, and they ought to be able to provide counsel. That's, as much as anything else, feeding the flock. That's their primary function in life, is that we ought to be able to go to them no matter what the situation is. And that's not always the case. It's not always the case. Part of it is because we've got men, and men are men. I mean, part of it is just simply that. 
uh, we're, we're all fallible. None of us are perfect. Uh, and that comes into play as well. I mean, sometimes we're afraid to speak to other people because we're ashamed of whatever's going on. Sometimes we're afraid to go to them because we don't want a confrontation and we're afraid of confrontation. Sometimes there's all kinds, of, but if, there, if there's going to be a fix at all to bring it back to the biblical example, we're going to have to teach the biblical pattern. And truthfully, that may fall on you as an individual trying to teach the church where you're a part of, whether you're a, whether you're a preacher or a Bible class teacher or whether you're just somebody that sits in a pew most of the time to sit down and say, hey, you know what? Let's look and see what the scriptures say about what godly leadership looks like. And let's see if we can study together and become more godly as leaders. Because all of us have to do it. Excellent stuff, George. Excellent stuff. Um, you, you talked about teaching through education and, and also teaching by example. It made me think of the, uh, the you seem to remember the Titans. Oh, yeah. The, the, the line where you have the two defensive captains arguing with one another and one says that, you know, I'm just going to look out for myself. And the captain says, well, that's a pretty terrible attitude. The player says, attitude reflects leadership, captain. Yes. Um, if we want, we if, if we're going to ask ourselves, you know, why are our churches in the state they are, we have to look at ourselves as leaders and, and as elders and deacons and ministers. It starts with us and teaching and possibly, as you said, reteaching our elders, what what is the biblical example? Reteaching our church, what is the biblical example? Because we also have the other issue in, and I think in, in what seems to be in, in a lot of churches across here in central Arkansas and in Arkansas, we have a lot of churches that don't have elders or shepherds. What what do they do, George? <laughs> they were. If you you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to. Because you you said it yourself, it's God's pattern for churches to follow shepherds and for shepherds to lead churches. But you have many churches that have that haven't had elders in decades. What do they do? Well, you don't have to answer. Yeah, and, I, and I'm gonna say. You know me, I'm a literalist. I tend <laughs> okay. to take things for what they say. And and my understanding is God's pattern for the church is that godly men lead the church as shepherds. Multiple shepherds for the church in any individual congregation. Having said that, there are lots of reasons why some don't. Yeah. Some don't have qualified men, and and that's a shame. It's sad. Some don't have men who are willing that's even more of a shame, and it's sad. And some choose, for whatever reason, not to because they would prefer to have some other form of leadership. And that's even more of a shame because they're specifically ignoring Scripture. But I don't have the answer to that. And I, I don't want to answer your question. I understand. <laughs> you want me to edit all that out? or No, no, that's fine. Okay. You can leave it. I, I'm... I'm, I'm I, I, I'm just going to be honest. I, I can't be any other way. I, I see that. I've seen that a lot in my life. Yes. You have. Uh, and and whoever's listening out there, you have to. Let's, <laughs> let's, just, let's just be honest with each other. Uh, it's, 
it's true in its life and, and it's the way it is. It's not perfect. Uh, we don't always do things the way we know we ought to. There are a lot of things in life we don't do the way we know we're supposed to do them. And, and as far as why they don't want to serve or they're not qualified to serve after so many years, I, I don't, I don't want to speculate. Right. I know that. Because then you really are getting into multiple churches with different people and, and, oh, yeah. and different things. And I know that Titus was able to go back six months behind Paul and find men qualified to serve as elders. And, and, and I know that that was possible with only six months. Yes. So, Somebody, so I know it's possible for people to study and to be able to be qualified to serve. I know that's possible. Excellent stuff. Um, so we have a minister. He's excited. He's ready. He's starting a new congregation. He realizes there's an issue with the elders. The, oh, I should have prefaced this. It's not me. <laughs> this, is, this really is just in general. It's not me to anyone listening from Northside. <laughs> or Perryville. Yeah, or Perryville. Or any other church. What what biblical text should he start with? When he when he sees a issue with the eldership? Mm-hmm. If uh, he wants to encourage his elders to be biblical shepherds and do shepherding biblically, where should he start? Okay, start with the attitude of I felt like they were qualified to hire me as the minister. Mm. And so you don't start with an attitude of they're not qualified or they're not uh, appropriate to be in the position they're in because they were perfectly acceptable for me to accept this position to come to work with them, uh, which is the way I, I look at it. I don't look at it that, that uh, elders hire the preacher as much as the preacher works with the eldership. The eldership works with the preacher. Uh, but... But having said that, if you start with that humility of there was nothing unacceptable about them before I came. You had to leave. <laughs> well, you, then, then you say, well, but then again, I may not have known everything about right. everybody before I got here. And then you take that humility with you and you say, hey, look, uh, oftentimes you can go to an individual one-on-one -on -one and say, hey, can we talk? And... Uh, or maybe you can go to the eldership as a whole and do some leadership study together. If you're that young minister and you're trying to do that, I, I have a benefit you don't have. I'm 62 years old. I've got gray hair. I'm the same age as some of your elders are. We, we are contemporaries on so many things that, that we can talk in a way that you might not be able to if you're that young minister. But if you are that young minister and and you get into a situation and you realize that maybe there's a maybe there's a a problem in your eldership because they're not leading the way they ought to by all means talk to them about let's study leadership together and and make it a together thing it it can't be us against them it can't ever be you against me because you are leading the church together the elders are the ones that God is ordained the holy spirit is ordained to lead the church but you as a minister have also been called to a great amount of purpose 
and to a great responsibility there in that position. And those elders have put you in that position to teach the congregation. And so you must get on the same page. You must. And, uh, and you might find out that you were wrong and that they are, in fact, you might find out that they're much more godly than you thought they were. They might find out that they're much more godly than they thought they were. Uh, uh, without getting into specifics, I've seen that both times, both ways, many places. I love the fact that you said it starts with humility. Because as, as ministers and Christians and teachers and even elders and deacons and leaders, we have to be humble enough, we have to be confident enough to believe in what we're teaching, but humble enough to accept when we're wrong. Well, and and two, humble enough to recognize that we need shepherding. That's right. Oh I, wow. I have I have many times had to had to speak to somebody that that was one of my shepherds or uh, or a mentor that I've had in my life and say, Hey, I need I need shepherding. I need mentoring in my life. I I I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I that I stumble and that I'm frail and, and and at times I've served as mentor for someone else and helped to help to help them along the path. But uh but we need that. And it's easy for me as an individual to look and judge the decisions that somebody else is making. Uh I have bachelor's degree and two associate's degrees and part of a master's degree, but I've been educated beyond what many people have been in the Bible itself as a, as a source of study. Well, not everybody has the time to study like I do. And not everybody has had the opportunity to study New Testament Greek or to get lost in a Hebrew class. And, and even for some of us, the money. I mean, oh, exactly. My, my yeah. degree costs money. <laughs> well, money and time and, and, and yeah, yeah. And, and, and effort. I mean, when I, when I took Greek class years ago, I took it to pass the class. I didn't take it because I wanted to learn Greek. Uh, if you look behind me here on my desk over there, you'll notice I've got Bill Mounts' stuff. I am, I am restudying New Testament Greek because I've lost some of my resources. Right. And, and it's important. I mean, it's important to be able to study the word. So, uh, yeah. And I, I appreciate sometimes I've, I've had elderships tell me, uh, could you study this for us? Mm -hmm. Because they are working maybe 40, 50 hours a week. They're trying to guide the church during their free time, which is takes up another 20 or 30 hours of their week minimum. Uh, they're trying to take care of their families, which is essential, which takes up another you know, pretty soon your 168 hours are gone and they don't have as much time to study as I do. And so I've had elderships ask me to study and then hopefully they, they, they're doing a lot of study on their own as well. Uh, and I've seen many like your dad, uh, he gets ready to teach a class. I guarantee you, he spends a lot of time before oh, yeah. he ever gets up to teach a class. Oh yeah. And, uh, and, and I know because I've seen him teach and I've heard him <laughs> teach and I've, I've sat in his class. So I know he's well prepared when he gets there. And he's, he's even prepared for that off the wall question. Somebody's going to ask because somebody's going to ask it. And so he has to study for that too, uh, which is great. It's great. It's always fun to teach when you get those. 
<laughs> George, this has been an excellent uh, podcast episode today. Do you have any any final thoughts before I go? No, I don't. I just uh, I think we ought always to pray for our leaders, our shepherds especially, and their families because they give up so much in order to lead us. Uh, if they're truly being the shepherds like Christ, if they're truly being servant leaders, the one thing that you see prevalent in the life of Jesus as you read through the scriptures, he must have been exhausted all the time. He never really had a free moment because every minute he was guiding and leading and shepherding his flock. And and so I think we need to pray for our shepherds because I know the task is very difficult and daunting. I've sat in the meetings where we where we talked about uh, marriages that were in a shambles or marriages that were falling apart or teenage children that had that had gone astray from their families or or job situations or income situations or or whatever issues are going on. And I've seen these godly men literally brought to tears sometimes trying to take care of their needs. And I'm reminded of Paul when he says, you know, a night and a day I've been in the deep, I've been beaten with rods, I've, I've, I've gone through all these things. And then he says, besides that which comes upon me daily, my concern for the churches. And when you see shepherds that are that way, you got to love them because mm-hmm. they, are, they are truly men of God, truly great men of God. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, you can email me at cbradford at northsidecofc.info. That's northsidecofc.info. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.